Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. It's a blessing to be here. I praise God that uh, Elder Parchment invited me to come and bring the Word to you. And he said uh, he wanted me to talk to you about evangelism. Hence, I titled my sermon, Evangeliving. Amen? Oh, I don't hear the amen. Evangeliving. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence, in your holy temple once more. I pray that your Holy Spirit take over right now, Father. Let your Holy Spirit hover all over this place. Stir our heart towards you, towards your work, towards your kingdom, that you may soon return and take us home, Father. Bless us indeed, enlarge our territory. Keep us from sin that we may be free from pain. And in the end, Father, let your will be done in our lives. Nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name, in the whole church, say, If you had a chance to interview one disciple, who would it be? I know some of y'all want to talk to Judas. John, right? Peter, right? Who else? Ooh, somebody said Andrew. Ooh, why? Can I ask you why? Wow! Somebody say amen for this young man right quick. Because usually everybody forgets who Andrew is. If, how many PKs are in the house? Preacher's kids. Pastor's kids. Or you're a, do- you're a child of a, a, a teacher or somebody influential in your community. Or you had a big brother. Huh? You know PKs, they always identify you by your parents. Aren't you Pastor so-and-so's children? They don't even know your name. Same was the case for Andrew. Andrew, there's not much written about him. And the little that's written about him, every time they say his name, they have to say Simon Peter's brother. <laughs> Yet he was the one who brought Simon Peter to Jesus. Peter was a big-time evangelist. But I dare to say today that Andrew lived evangelism. Amen? There's a big difference than preaching it than living it. So let's explore Three occasions, just three, where Andrew was bringing someone to Jesus. I want you to open up your Bible with me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 35 through 42. John chapter 1, 45, 35 through 42. When you find it, say amen. Okay, you're honest. You didn't say amen right away. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let's read it. I'm going to read from the ESV version because I can't read the King James Version for nothing. (laughs) All right. The next day, again, John was standing with with two of his disciples. Whose disciples were they? John's disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, what? 
the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they what? Followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was who? And who was Andrew? Simon Peter's brother. Peter hadn't even come to Christ yet. They're calling him Simon Peter's brother. So he lived under the shadow of his brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Amen? You see where I'm going, right? This is going to be a very simple one. I don't have to, you know, develop theological concepts. It's going to be very simple. You get it already, or you're getting it. Peter is one of the most important figures in the New Testament and in the church. Given what we know about Peter, we say, where would the church be without Peter? But the real question is, where would the church be? had Andrew not brought Peter to Jesus. Folks, are you listening to me? You see, Andrew was first the disciple of who? Of John, John the Baptist. Many of you didn't know that John the Baptist had disciples. They were his disciples. But as soon as they heard him say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What did they do? They followed Jesus. They followed JB. They left JB to follow JC, who is Jesus Christ. You see, the world is full of sincere people who are following the wrong crowd. They are where they are because they have not fully seen the light. In searching for truth, some find error. In searching for Christianity gospel, they find prosperity gospel. Despite feeling something is wrong, they still stay where they are because they don't know anything better. Do you have something better to say? Why haven't you told them about it? Some people are waiting for you. To say something to them. You see, there may be someone who can accomplish far greater than you can accomplish for God. But it will take you to go get that person to bring them to Jesus. So today I ask you, are you really about evangelism? Are you content with just coming to a half-empty church? Are you content that you have no one to sing? Have you contempt that you have no one else sitting around the pews with you worshiping with the hope of salvation? Who are you not telling about Jesus? Very simple. Occasion number two. Occasion number two. John 6, 1 through 9. John 6, 
1 through 9. This was at the feeding of the 5,000. You remember what the title is what? The title of the sermon is what? The title of the sermon is what? Oh, you're sleeping on me. The title of the sermon is what? Evangeliving. So then we're going to see how Andrew lived evangelism. Let's see another occasion where he was bringing people to Jesus. John 6, 1 through 9. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes. Then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test them, for he knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii would not be enough bread for each of them to get a little. But, verse 8, one of his disciples, what was his name? And who was Andrew? Poor guy, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many. Again, Andrew was the one who spotted the little boy. You see, when we read stories like this, we must read in between the line. How did Andrew know that the boy had five loaves and two fish? I believe that Andrew was the one who interacted with people. Amen. Sometimes we Adventists, we think we're secluded. We're a peculiar people, but not secluded people. God called us to be a beacon of light into the world. Instead of hiding our faces, we need to show our faces so people know the truth. That Jesus is coming soon. Amen? I imagine Andrew meeting this little boy sometime before that conversation with Jesus. I imagine him play with the little boy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm fine. What do you have here? Five loaves and two fish. Do you want some, mister? No, not now. You got it. You see, you were there. <laughs> you understand. That's exactly what he said. No, not now. But I'll take you up on your offer if we need it later on. You understand? So when the time came for God, for Jesus to feed the people, Philip did his accounting thing because everybody has different talent, had different roles that play in the church. He said, well, we're going to need such and such amount to feed the people. But it was Andrew who knew someone who had something that Jesus can use. I'm going somewhere. Amen. You see, more than preaching, evangelism is mingling with people and get to know them. Are you mingling with your people today? With your neighbors? Some of you, you have neighbors that you've been living by 20 years. You don't even know their name. You have no idea who live in your neighborhood. 
Are you mingling with your peers? Are you getting to know their experiences? Are you telling them that God can use them? Are you about evangelism this morning? Sister White says it in Ministry of Healing. Let's read that with me. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. Can you read with me? The Savior did what? Mingle with them, with men as one who what? Desired their good. He showed sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. Occasion number three. Occasion number three. How many occasions did I say we we're going to have? So we're on the third one already. Amen. Amen. You're not happy that I'm finishing quickly? Amen. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to read verses 20 through 22. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Verse 22. Philip went and told who? And Andrew did what? And Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, etc., etc. So now we're beginning to see a pattern here, right? Who was better to address than Philip? Philip was from Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a Greek-influenced town. It was named after Julius, Julius uh, the emperor, Julius Augustus daughter. He was named Julius. In other words, they knew Philip. He was the right guy to go to. But when they went to Philip, what did Philip do? He went to? So we're beginning to see that Andrew had the reputation among his peers as the one who would lead people to Jesus. Do you have the reputation among your peers as one who likes it? To lead people to Jesus. Think about that. We always think about who is blocking us from meeting Jesus. But the question to this, who are you blocking from meeting Jesus? Some people say they're your family member. They say, if I have to come to the same church as you, I will never come. Some spouses, they say, if I have to come to the same church as you, I will never come. Think about this hard. This is not a, a popular theme or popular subject, but I want you to think about it. God wants you to think about it. How many people you could have brought to Jesus, but you're blocking them from coming to Jesus? Do you have the reputation as one who likes to bring people to Jesus. You see, it's time for us to realize that evangelism is not done by something, but rather by someone. And that someone is you. There are over 7 billion people in this world, and you are unique. There are some people my sermons can't do anything for. You have to be that person to translate 
the Bible for them. As a matter of fact, sometimes you will be the only Bible that someone else reads. And you determine if that person will come to Christ or if they will go away from Christ. Yes, programs and crusades, conventions that are done to attract the masses, they're all important. But as Dr. Robert Coleman puts it in his book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, victory is never won by the multitudes. Hence, Jesus' concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would what? Follow. The initial objective of Jesus' plan was to enlist men who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he returned to the Father. Are you about evangelism this morning? This work becomes effective when each one is dedicated to reach one. So each one, reach one. Next week, next Sabbath, I pray that you come with your neighbor. Come with somebody. Don't enter his gates without a gift. And make that gift a soul for the kingdom of God. So now you ask, how do you reach others? I'm glad you ask. And my answer to you is, you reach others by living what you preach. Amen? You must live, breathe, eat, and sleep evangelism. While it's good to explain to folks what you mean, It's better to show them what you mean. One living sermon is worth more than a hundred sermons, explanations. You see, people don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And when they don't remember what you say, they will always remember how you made them feel. That day when you mowed the lawn for this elderly person, That day when you gave this widow $20 at your church. That day when you helped your neighbor with their yard. That day when you stopped and helped somebody with a flat tire on the road. That day when you smiled at someone who had a frown on their face. That day when somebody cursed you and you say Jesus loves you instead of cursing him back. That day you approached that thug with all gold teeth in his mouth, tattooed up. And he said, Jesus loves you, and so do I. They may forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. But one thing is all so important. We should not do things as a checkoff list. Do things just to do them so we can have brownie points for the kingdom God does not want us to just do things and say, well, because I've done such and such, I'm entitled to heaven. We are sinners saved by grace. But at the same time, we have much work to do. Let's not get caught up in the work of the Lord while we're forgetting the Lord of the work. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we must have in mind to bring Christ glory by leading someone to him. James 1, 27 says it's clear. He says, 
The religion that is pure and undefiled before God is what? Is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You see, James is clear. What he's saying, he's not saying, okay, let's just go give food out there and do outreach. That's it. No, no, no. He's explaining in a larger con- concept that we should go out and make a difference in the lives of those who are in need. Amen? The orphan may not be that without a mother. The orphan may be somebody who has a mother, but they're abandoned by their mothers. So you see, Jesus wants us to go out there and make a difference with whomever needs our help. We need to tell people, don't select who you can preach, but go and preach the word to all the world. Amen? Jesus is telling us not to just do things just to do it, but do it because of the love that he gives us first. We love him because he first loved us. Amen? He wants us to move away from a behavior-centered religion to a savior-centered relationship. I'm going to say that again. God wants us to move away from a behavior-centered religion to a savior-centered relationship. Stop saying, well, if I come to church on the Sabbath, I don't eat pork, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. No, no, God wants you to go out there and show who he is to the world so that he can return. The gospel of the world shall be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. I just want you to know that this prophecy is not a conditional prophecy, meaning that God is not saying if you don't preach, he's not coming back. There is an assigned time. Jesus is coming back whether you preach or not. It's up to you to be part of the building of the kingdom of God. He says if you don't preach, he'll make the rock speak. So woe be unto you if someone who could have been saved by you is lost. Show the world that Jesus cares. So if you say you don't evangelize because you can't preach, you're not about evangelism. If you say you don't evangelize because you don't know enough verses, you're not about evangelism. If you say you're not adequate enough, you're not about evangelism. Evangelism is not about your ability to speak. Rather, it's about the ability of of the one about whom you speak. Jesus Christ. It's not about how much you can do, but it's about, it's about doing something to make a difference. It's not about how much time you do not have. It's about the little bit of time that you do have. Our goal should always be to glorify God. This is the mission of the church. To glorify God, to reveal his character, and what? To reach the lost for God. This is the heart of evangelism. Three things. The first one is to bring God's glory. Then the second thing is to reveal his character. And then the third is to reach the lost. Hence, we're ambassadors for Christ, people. Saving grace, we are ambassadors for Christ. Even though we are not eyewitnesses like the disciples. But once we've been saved, we begin to experience God every day in our lives. We experience his forgiveness. Most of us don't like to forgive, but God forgave us. We experience his protection. 
We experience his providence. We experience his comfort in the time of need. And most of all, we experience his salvation. Hence, all Christ is asking us to do is to share with people our experience with him. That's all. That's all he asks you to do. You don't have to know how to preach. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker or have the highest degree. All you have to do is yield your brokenness to the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will transform you into the likeness of Christ. He will mold you. Be molded in the hands of the master. And you will be used greatly by God. Sister White says in Acts of the Apostle, page 9. The church is God's appointed agency for the service for the salvation of men. And it was organized for service. And its mission is to carry the gospel into all the world. I think we're losing our mission as a church. We're so focused on, you know, I just have to come to church on Sabbath and that's it. Kind of mindset that we lose our focus, which is to preach the gospel to all the world. Still page nine of Acts of the Apostles. I want you to read this for me. It says, from the beginning, it has been God's plan that through his church, what? Shall be reflected to the world. His fullness and his sufficiency. The members of the church are to show forth his glory. And through the church will eventually be made manifest. Even to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. The final and full display of the love of God. We have a great task, church. To display the final and full love of God. The universe relies on us to show that God is really love, that God is really faithful. We're going to close with this story, and then I'm going to make you sing because I'm a musician. I love to sing. Y'all want to sing with me after that? All right, we're going to sing. I love to sing. You need to stop making excuses to spread the gospel of Christ. Amen? I just told you, you don't have to do anything but to share your experiences with other people. There was a pastor who had a son. Every week after church, he would go and pass tracks with his 11-year-old buddy, his 11-year-old son. They would go pass track to town. But there was a particular day. It was raining. It was dark. And it was cold. So the father didn't even bother to tell the son we're not going. They just stayed home. And you know kids, they're like clockwork. If, you, if they're used to something and they don't have it that day, they're going to ask you. Thank God for children. Because they challenge us sometimes. So the son said to the father, Dad, are we going today? The father said, Son, it's dark, it's raining, and it's cold. We can't go today. It's not a good day to go. The son gave the dad a reply that made him think. He said, Dad, 
Do people stop going to hell when it's raining, dark, and cold? The father thought about it for a second. He was shook. Because, you know, sometimes the questions the kids ask us, they make you really think, right? And then still the father, who is being a good parent, he says, son, it's dangerous out there. Please, we can't go. The son said, please, can I go, daddy? You know, there's a certain look that the kids give you. You can't refuse them anything. They have those puppy faces. Please, pretty please. So the son said, please, daddy. Finally, he let him go. Son put on his raincoat, ran cheerfully, passing out tracks in the cold weather and in the dark. He got down to his last flyer. He's back on his way home. He says, Lord, I want you to show me where to put this flyer. When you ask God for something, he will give it to you. I'm going to challenge you when you leave here, tell God, show me who it is that I need to bring to you. I want you to challenge yourself. Say, Lord, I want you to show me who it is in my life, in my neighborhood, at work that I need to bring to you. Maybe it's a close family member. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a neighbor. Somebody needs to come to Christ because of you. So the son said, Lord, I want you to give me direction. And God impressed him to go to a specific door. Then he went. He knocked. And nobody opened the door. So he left. But before getting too far, he was impressed to go back once more and knock on that door. And this time, he kept on knocking, and he would not uh, stop knocking until somebody came and opened the door. He kept knocking. And finally, a little old lady came to the door. How may I help you, young man, she said. And with the biggest smile on his face, the young man said, I came to let you know that Jesus loves you. And gave her a flyer and ran back home. The following week, after the pastor finished preaching, remember the father is the pastor of the church. After he finished preaching, he gave time for testimonies. And the little old lady came all the way from the back. Ten years ago, she said, my husband died. I've been alone ever since. No one has ever come to see me. Things got so bad, I got so depressed that I decided to kill myself. So I went up the attic. I had my cord ready so I can hang myself. As I got on the chair to hang myself, my doorbell rang. I stayed quiet so that the person would leave me alone so I can finish killing myself. But they kept on knocking. They would not leave me alone. They kept knocking. And when I saw it was too long, I finally came to the door. And an angel appeared in the form of this young man pointing to the child, to the pastor's son. And he greeted me with the biggest smile and said to me, Jesus loves you, and so do I. I was so impressed by that. 
I revived again, and I praised God, and I stopped my quest to kill myself. And because your address was on the back of this flyer, here I am telling you my testimony. And this young, and the father at this point in time was so emotional, he grabbed on his son and hugged him so tight, and he wept, and he wept. Because he realized had his son not gone into the dark and rainy and dangerous cold weather, this woman would have lost her life. Oh, this story reminds me of another father and son. This son left his palace in glory where he was getting adoration and praise day in and day out. Angels screaming, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yet he decided to come into this dark and cold, cold world where he was ridiculed. He was spat on. He was beaten. He was chastised. And eventually he was crucified just to save you and to save me. What should we do with such love? Tell me, what should we do with such love? Should we not share it to the world? Should we not live it so others can taste the love of God? What should I do with such a grace? Do I deserve it? No, I don't. While I was yet sinner, Christ came and he died for me. Should I not tell the world about this wonderful Savior? Brethren, we have much work to do for God's kingdom. So don't just come to the church. Be the church. Amen? Don't, don't make excuses anymore. Live the gospel. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So if your neighbors have not come to Christ yet, is it because you have not lift Jesus up in your neighborhood? Jesus came to die to set the world free. Practice evangel living before evangelizing. Purify your life for the Holy Spirit to dwell in you that you may be a true witness for him. The Spirit of God always insists on making Christ known. Now you know what to do. But you cannot do it on your own. You need the power of Jesus Christ to do it. Father God in heaven, you are so awesome, Lord. You are so great. You are so righteous, Father. You are so holy. We have nothing else to say but to say thank you, Lord. We thank you for the breath of life that is still in us. Despite our wicked ways, you still decide to give us life. And you give it to us abundantly, Lord. We can sing. We can swing our hands. We can move our feet. We can go to work only by the grace of God. Oh, we are sinners saved by grace, and we know it. Therefore, you've been so good to us. We want to tell others about your goodness. We want to tell them about your kingdom to come. 
But sometimes, Lord, we don't know how to do it. Sometimes we are fearful. We don't like rejection. Father, we think we're not eloquent enough. We think we're not adequate enough. We think we don't know enough verses. But today, you have taught us all we need to do is to share our experiences with our friends. Show them how the Lord is good. Father, I pray for each family represented here. Each face here that is knelt before your altar. They need the power of your Holy Spirit. You said to Zerubbabel, when he was building your, your temple, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord. We need a double portion of your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. We need you to save, saving grace, Lord. I ask that you give them a zeal like never before. I ask that you give them vigor in their lives, within their souls, oh Lord. From the little children to the oldest person in here, Father, I pray that they take the example of this 11-year-old boy who passed our tracks. That they can ask their parents, when are we going to go for outreach? When can I invite my friends to come to church? I ask, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you anoint every member of this church. I pray for a special blessing upon saving grace. And in the end, when you return, oh Lord, let us all hold hands together and hail you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have a great hope, Lord, that burns within our heart. Now, and help us to share it with our neighbors, share it with our friends. And when you return, you will not cast us out of your presence, but you will say, well done, my faithful servant. Come and inherit the kingdom I prepared for you from the foundation of this world. Bless us indeed, Father. Enlarge our territory. Keep us from sin that we may be free from pain. And in the end, oh Lord, let your will be done in our lives. Nothing more, nothing less in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.